0: Welcome to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use your promo code at DNVR25. You'll get 25% off your entire purchase of that cbd infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creisman. I'm the managing editor of DNBR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And joining us, as has become our weekly custom, is the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman Podcast and the the driver, I believe, of this here vehicle is coming to us live from. Appreciate you you're taking the time, everybody. It's Drew Goodman.
1: What's up, fellas? How we doing? I could do I, I could do my car spot right here, but I don't know if it, that would be right to you guys. So.
2: <laughs> well, some would say it's unprofessional, but the, the truth is that, uh, again, on off days, you do work for Uber. So uh, you made sure to not pick up any passengers, so that actually is very professional, and we do appreciate that.
1: I got two passengers in the back. I told them we had to. We're using an alternate route, and they're going to be delayed <laughs> getting to their destination.
0: Uh, sure, you've been talking their ears off about the Road Warrior Colorado Rockies. Now, like we <laughs> we all know, uh, they've had their struggles this season away from Coors Field, but. How nice was it? Even the ball game they lost to watch a couple here. They got good starting pitching. Both game great in game two. Stories hitting some home runs. Rodgers hitting some home runs. Just seeing some nice baseball the last couple of days away from Coors.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's somewhat a continuation. I know they didn't swing the bats very well in the two to one game, which is kind of a continuing theme. First game on the road, they scored a whopping seven runs in seven games, and they're one and six. But uh, they played very well yesterday. Began with. Herman Marcus obviously pitching you know exceptionally well I mean he had no hit stuff and you can tell very early on he had no hit stuff uh, but it's a continuation for me of how they've played at home they've played good solid baseball at home they've they've been able to swing the bats at home uh, certainly better the pitching has been better all year at home by leaps and bounds and out on the road um, and they've been sound defensively for the most part so, uh, to me, it was a continuation, and it was great to see them, you know, get that split and, and play really well, um, you know, in all facets of the game yesterday.
2: Yeah, five runs on the road against you know a surging Mariners team is is almost a tacos worthy performance out on the road because it's, you know, they've 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 struggled to get runs, and you know they did get a, a run on Tuesday, but they they looked okay again. They were in the ball game, so uh, you know even if the offense isn't you know surging forward and, and scoring five, six, seven on the road like they would at home. They were in that ball game. It was tied. Croner uh, came in there and had that big home run. It was, again, it was just really competitive, and it was nice to see you know Marquez dominate the way he did to kind of come away with a split against Seattle.
1: He's so unusual in that he, he number one, has the um, – he has unusual stuff. We know that. And he's battled at times this year fastball command. Um, but what the other thing that's unusual about him is he'll dominate for four or five starts, and he always has one start, and, and all pitchers do that doesn't go great. But usually with him, it's a big number that he gives up, and it always skews his ERA. Uh, you know, yeah. instead of giving up you know four and five innings or something like that. I mean, he gives up eight in three innings, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah. when he's right, which he is more often than not boy, he's fun to watch. He's a great competitor. Um, You know, the slider-curveball combination when he gets ahead uh, is is devastating. And I I remarked to uh, Huey during the first commercial break, um, I said he has no-hit stuff. And there's only been a handful of guys that you would say that about just watching one inning worth worth of a a guy. You know, back in the day, Randy Johnson, you could tell right away I mean, he was always good, but you could tell right away, um, you know, the sharpness of his slider and uh, the liveliness of his fastball he said oh boy this could this could be a long day and um, you know I, I mentioned that ubaldo had it at, certainly at times where you go shoot i mean if the planet's aligned he could throw a an no-hitter and i felt that way literally i'm not i'm not monday morning quarterbacking this i said that to jeff after after the bottom of the first inning So said this stuff's electric and you know he he obviously concurred and uh you know, he he went uh, out and retired the first seventeen hitters.
2: Yeah, those are probably the two most dominant guys. We kind of touched on that yesterday and in the post game, guys who have that kind of dominant stuff where you know they can just just lock it down for eight straight innings. Uh, and on on the Drew Goodman podcast uh, this morning, I went and listened to a great episode with Mark Stout, and you kind of touched on that that idea of you know, him and Ubaldo kind of, you know, being almost cut from the same cloth. Has there been any other pitchers that, again, it's probably not to the same extent as Marquez and, and Ubaldo, but um, is John Gray, has he had those games where you think maybe today's the day for him? Uh, you know, Jeff Francis and Aaron Cook during those days, you know, who, who's maybe third on the leaderboard of, man, this guy looks really good today. Hold on to your hats. This this could be uh, it. Could be a deep no hitter. Maybe Freeland even, which we did see his rookie season at 17 against the White Sox.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a really fair question, and, and it's an intriguing one to dive into. Um, I, I I don't know if I would include certainly Francis or Cook in that grouping. Is it possible? We know there's been a number of no-hitters thrown, and a lot of times it's thrown by a guy you wouldn't go, yeah, you know. he's Garrett Cole, yeah. Could Garrett Cole go throw it? Could Trevor Bauer, when he's right, throw a no-hitter? I mean, there are guys that you think of that, yeah, these guys should, when things are right, flirt with the no-hitter on occasion. You know, Jeff Francis, I mean, he would have dominant outings, but it's not dominant stuff. Uh, Aaron mm-hmm. Cook the same way, and all of a sudden you're in the fifth or sixth inning, nobody's got a hit, and he's got 13 ground ball outs. That's how that type of no hitter would transpire. Uh, even Kyle Freeland, and Kyle's, um, you know, a, a guy that you know, we saw him really good on Tuesday, and that was the best thing that that one of the best things that came out of that mini uh, trip to to Seattle. But it's usually a guy who has the overpowering fastball and a and a wipeout secondary pitch. In the case of um, both uh, Ubaldo and Herman, they have wipeout secondary pitches. Uh, for Herman, it's a it's a slider and a curveball. And uh, in the case of Ubaldo, he had a he had a wipeout slider. Uh, he had the power sinker at ninety eight, ninety nine. He had a great split finger that missed a lot of bats. Um, um, so, I I don't think I would ever remark, and it's not a knock at all on a Jeff Francis or an Aaron Cook or, or even a Kyle Freeland. I don't think I would ever say, you could say, yeah, they look like they're on, but I would never say, hey, man, this, this guy could throw a no, no-hitter today. Like you do with German, um when you see him throwing the baseballs he did in the first inning and going back a, you know, a decade or so ago when, when were on, Ubaldo was on, you know, the Verlanders of the world. I mean, we know who those guys are. And you go, whoa. I mean, it's just different. I mean, yeah. they, Jacob DeGrom every time out, virtually. <laughs> no. But I'm not kidding. Every no time out. Every Jacob time DeGrom, out. if they let him go long enough, you go, he could throw a no hitter.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, it, you dominate the dominators. You can say any day he's going to have a no hitter. And as you pointed out, Anyone can, on the right day, I mean, Dallas Braden wants,
0: Galarraga, Dallas Braden.
2: Uh, Braden won't do yeah. a perfect game. So okay, it, it does put that I, in perspective, sure. Fellas,
1: there's a line that you guys are familiar with. Um, you know, Dallas Braden and Aaron Cook and Jeff Francis, good pitchers. They yeah. could give you the comfortable collar. Remember that term? That phrase, yeah. a comfortable collar. You went 0 for 4. You never felt uncomfortable at the plate. You never felt like, "Boy, I I don't see his stuff or this is overwhelming." But you rolled over three times and popped out the second. And with guys like Verlander, Herman, we know the names, Degrom, you go up there and it's uncomfortable because you're like, "I don't know if I can catch up to the velo." The 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 sharpness of the of the breaking ball is such that you're like, "Man, I'm overwhelmed." Um, It's going to be all I could do to put the ball in play. That's the kind of guy early in a game where you go, shoot, he may may flirt with one today.
0: You don't want to end up looking like Shed Long Jr. Much love. (laughs) But you don't want to end up looking like Shed Long Jr. and on your butt looking up at the (laughs) picture going, what in the hell was that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Listen, I will – look like Shed long jr all day if uh you know if, if you're in the big leagues and you and you're uh you get to put on a big league uniform and, and every once in a great while i guess it can't happen too frequently but every once in a great while against a great pitcher you end up on your butt looking up at the sky um you know whether it's a literal or a figurative looking up at the sky he had company yesterday <laughs> right
0: right can't can't claim to be the only person who had an ugly swing but yeah those those are some great baseball moments—the kind of stuff that you know we love the game. Uh, we watch the game for those moments. The only other time, just as we were thinking about it, uh, you know, early in a game that I can recall, because with Armand, I feel like two, three times a year, you go, "Oh, could happen." A couple of years ago in San Francisco, you knew early in that game he could do it—one little ground ball through the left side. Otherwise, he, he's got it done there. Um, but I do remember the 16-strikeout game. For John Gray at Coors Field because I think it was the second or third inning where he struck out four guys in a frame because there was a dropped third strike and whenever something it's kind of like when Nolan hit a triple people forget you know when he did the walk-off cycle the first hit was the triple if Nolan hits a triple in the first inning of a game you're on cycle watch (laughs) because that's the hardest thing for him to do right and so it was kind of similar when Gray had like six strikeouts after two innings you were like okay, he's going to do something special today, and he went on to do it. But those are those yeah. are rare moments, man. Yeah, and you know
1: what? I, I, I never addressed John Gray. Um, you know, John, John, especially a couple of years ago, with the wipeout slider, and, and, you know, you'd see more 97s and 98s on occasion. Um, so you... you you see where John, oh man, he's really on. So yeah, John would fall into that class. So it's more of, it's really more of a power guy as opposed to the quote unquote finesse guy. And certainly, yeah. there's been a, there's been an occasion um, or two or three
2: where where John early
1: on, you're like, they're not hitting this guy today.
2: Yeah, I'm, I imagine for you, um, you know, even now, you know, go going to the ballpark and, and covering the games and. Maybe more so as a fan, when you would open up the newspaper and take some people back. So, you know, before you would go and get all your news from Twitter, a a reliable source like Twitter, (laughs) uh, is someone would, would, uh, usually a man, sometimes it was a boy on a bicycle, uh, two totally different spectrums there, would deliver a, a paper. Uh, and you open up and have all news of everything that happened 24 hours or 36 hours ago, believe it or not. And, yeah, anyway, I, I would open up the newspaper, and every day I would love to see who the starting pitcher was. And that was what usually compelled me to go to uh, a ball game, right? If uh, Philadelphia, for me, was so close to where I lived in New Jersey that if you know the Diamondbacks were playing, the Phillies – I know who's on the Diamondbacks. All right, got some good ball players having a good season. But if I saw Schilling or Randy Johnson – as a starting pitcher, that's when I knew I had to go to the ball game. Was that the case for you when you were younger? And is that still true now that, you know, seeing a good starting pitching matchup almost does more for your excitement levels than just, Hey, you know, Mookie Betts is a great ball player, but it's the starting pitchers that, that almost moves the needle the most.
1: I'm with you, Patrick, because you're going to see a lot more of the starting pitcher than you are you know a Mike Trout it, when he on the occasion he comes to town or a Mookie Betts even though you know you see the, the Dodgers more but if you're looking at it just from that ball game you know Mookie Betts is going to get four or five at bats hopefully it's four because that means the Rockies have pitched well um, but yeah when when a Verlander is in town or a Garrett Cole or, or still even a Clayton Kershaw um, or you know it's Herman matching up with someone like that uh, yeah that that I mean, earlier this year when Jacob Degrom was in town, are you kidding me? There, there's a buzz. There's definitely a buzz. I mean, this. Uh, I mean, I'll stop what I'm doing to go watch Jacob Degrom pitch. You're talking about the best hitters in the world, and he's striking guys. That, I mean, I know he's dealt with you know little maladies here and there, but you know, the three inning performance a couple starts ago, he struck out eight. Then he goes five innings the other day, didn't strike out quite as many. Whatever it was seven. Uh, they're not even, nobody gets hits. It's a joke. Right. So, yeah, when, when that ilk of pitcher is on the mound, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, it ratchets up the level of excitement.
0: Tune and in for that.
1: Value. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Especially because if you're a Rockies fan, then you've gotten to be there for the handful of moments anybody's gotten the better of them. Because Ryan McMahon and Ryan Altafia both hit home runs off of Jacob DeGrom. I think that accounts for half of them. Uh, Don Don Nunez almost took him deep. Yeah, yep. Nunez got him pretty good too. The, so. the
2: last run scored on Jacob Degrom. Or it, tomorrow it'll be officially a month. Was May twenty fifth, not in course at City Field. Ryan McMahon home run. That's the last time someone touched home plate on Jacob Degrom, mm-hmm. and he's only yeah. I think he's only given up. He's given up three home runs. As as Drew as Kriestman said, two of the three have been Rockies players, and I think he's given up. Only three earned runs. Four given earned up runs.
1: Four, he's given up four, four earned runs. Right. He's driven in more. What is he driven in? Right. Six runs now, That's I think, on the yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. so he has, he's, he's given up seven runs.
2: Yeah, four earned runs. Seven runs total. We know that doesn't necessarily mean anything until you think about the fact that the Rockies scored four of those seven runs that he gave up when he was on the mound. So uh, yeah. those are some good fun stats to, to throw out there. Why not? So,
1: I'm I'm not a big and there's a long way to go, boys. As we know, the the Rockies are are, you know a handful of days. I think yesterday was game seventy-five, so we're almost at the at the halfway point. And I know on the DNBR podcast is going to be a major celebration, halfway point of the season, and all kinds of breakdowns, right? Obviously.
0: um season awards, the whole
1: thing. But but we all do this as silly as it is. You know, we're three weeks in. There's an early MVP candidate, early Cy Young candidate. Um I'm not a big proponent of having a pitcher be the MVP. However, halfway through this season, the Mets lead the East. You can say the East has been somewhat disappointing, Atlanta's been disappointing. Ah, uh, Washington certainly been disappointing Philly, but you could make a pretty substantial case that the MVP in the National League
0: is Jacob Degrom. Oh, I love it because then I, I'm pretty sure I will win our Superstars draft if I get 20 points for Jacob Degrom winning the Cy Young and then 20 more points for him winning National League MVP. He <laughs> was my first overall pick in that draft, given all the ball players on the board, and I thought, you know. Don't overcomplicate this. Take the guy who's going to dominate no matter what. And, yeah, he, I, I'm with you. I don't like making pitchers MVP. I'd still have a hard time with it. But we'll see where the numbers are when we get there because, goodness gracious.
1: <laughs> it is. It is good. It is. It is ridiculous.
2: Yeah. You know? And maybe it's a technicality. It partially is not it partially isn't. It partially isn't. In the American League. I was going to say. What, wouldn't it be Shohei Ohtani? Shohei he, he can gonna... mash. You know what I mean? He had, <laughs> he had a day, I think a, a week and a half ago, where he hit homers in like the five games that uh, he started, and then the one that he was, the, he didn't hit, and he was, well, he did hit, but he was the starting pitcher. He went out and just, you know, blew the doors off the competition. So he's, he's just so impressive. Isn't that isn't that
1: awesome, fellas? That
2: yeah. uh,
1: Joe Madden goes to home plate and says, "We will not be needing a DH today." <laughs> First time yeah. ever, right? First time ever. It's amazing. Our, pit, our pitchers are our pitchers hitting. Go back to a high school game. Johnny's really good. He's a good two-way player. You Johnny's pitching too, and he's hitting. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need we don't need we don't need a sinking DH. Or they could have like DH for but that you talk about. You talk about really hurting someone's confidence. We're DHing for our second baseman today. Yeah, right. <laughs> our pitcher's hitting. Our pitcher's hitting, but our second baseman, who's at a buck seventy-two, is not hitting.
2: Guess what? That's the story of my baseball career. <laughs> when I second base got DHed for because uh, oh. we had a couple good hitting pitchers. So that's I think it goes to show you why I didn't really oh. get past junior college baseball. Unfortunately, the Angels. Don't come to town uh, to Colorado this season. The Rockies will go out to L.A. But, hey, in case uh, you hadn't heard, I, Goody, I think you may know about this, but some people listening may not. Hey, the All-Star game's coming to Denver. And <laughs> Shohei Otani has said, yeah, go ahead. You can sign me up for that. Uh, reigning champ Pete Alonzo, who won back in 2019, he also has thrown his hat in the ring to defend his title. So, sure, you'd like to see the Angels come to town for a two- or, or three-game set. Stick around and watch uh, Otani for batting practice. You you're, you're going to still get to see him in Coors Field mashing the ball up at the party deck.
1: You know what I'd like to see them do? They 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 get loose typically underneath in the batting cages in in the you know for the home run derby, why not have those guys get loose on the field with an aluminum bat before the competition actually
0: begins? Now we're talking. Now we're yeah, I'm all in. I'll tell you what, that would put a huge smile on my face. My Smile, by the way, is brought to you by our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. you got to check them out. Just 15 minutes outside of downtown Denver, located in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the Denver metro area. They love their sports. They love taking care of you like family, treating you well, talking about everything that's going on in the world of Colorado sports. And they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule your cleaning, x-ray, and exam today. So do go to GreenMountainDentalGroup.com check them out, schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam. It'll put a big old smile on your face and your smile, it'll be a lot better. Also putting a big old smile on my face is making some money over at DraftKings Sportsbook. We've been hitting on a lot of bets lately. Hopefully, you're subscribed to the YouTube channel uh, that you're always joining us here for the lives because sometimes, you know, the podcast may not always get out in time for you to place all those bets. You got to be here on the live shows. You got to know when we're telling you hey, take Trevor story to hit a home run. I unfortunately don't think you get double when he hits two of them sorry about that but if you just got one of them you made a nice little bit there over-unders on strikeouts runs scored who's going to win the ball game all kinds of fun stuff like that of course you know you can still be placing bets over in the nhl and the nba even if you don't know the nba that well right now you just risk one dollar and you can win 100 with the new promo code and again they've got promos going all the time for you so check them out download the top ready drafting sportsbook app now use promo code dnvr when you sign up to get one dollar turn it into a hundred dollars in free credits just by betting on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game if they do you claim that hundred bucks in free credits it's as simple as that if they don't you're only out one dollar that's promo code dnvr for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call
2: 1-800-522-4700. I think with metal bats, Goody, Trevor Story, certainly Pete Alonzo, might even be able to hit one into the South Platte River. I think there's a Set decent path. chance. At which, at which point they would then have to rename the river, of course. But right. that would be fun to see.
1: <laughs> I I think your your first two candidates or your first two uh, guys that have jumped on board if if baseball fans voted say who do you want to see? Uh you know Otani would would be one and probably Pete Alonso would be one A or they they'd certainly
0: be two of uh Yeah Well one of the things uh oh, looks like you may have Froze out a little bit there. Okay, now well, we got you back. So yeah, uh, speaking of guys who hit home runs, though, this is our other big topic of the day. And uh, uh, Patrick put me on to the fact that you were interested in this when I was uh, tweeting about it last week. This era of guys who hit a whole lot of home runs, but also strike out a whole lot, aren't providing much value otherwise versus the rarer and rarer player like the Rymel Tapias. We just saw another one with, Seattle and JP Crawford, these guys who put the ball in play all the time and have high batting averages, but don't hit a ton of home runs and aren't valued as highly. Uh, And and I think it's a really strange ongoing debate about where value comes from uh, and how we use these kind of one size fits all statistics to try to talk about players who Basically walking up to the plate trying to do two very, very different things. Frozen goody again. I think we get yeah.
2: <laughs> Dipped out. Yeah, play you know, player evaluation has long been a very complex issue, and I, I, I don't necessarily know that fans have the ability to do that. I mean, again, we only have so many resources, right? Front offices with analytics departments where they've got, you know, 25 to 35, 40 members and uh, Ivy League educations. They're they're inventing things. There are things that are behind a wall, not even a paywall. Right. I wish we could pay <laughs> to access and see all of the things that are going on behind the scenes. And we we have no idea. It, that's why for so long it was, you know, batting average. Home runs, RBI. That'll tell me if you had a good season or not. And then we said, well, what about you know per game averages? Let's let's look at that and we say, well, this guy only played you know in half the game. so let's double that number. Not realizing that maybe his you know manager platoon the player and you know did incredibly well against left handed pitching, uh, but not right handed pitching. So you can't necessarily extrapolate that or interpolate that uh, in in any way. So we we only have so many things. To do that so really it, it becomes a conversation uh, about right about about what is most valued and you know how something could be valued in a different setting in a different situation and stuff and so it's it's not you shouldn't just be looking at wins above replacement because I've said it before there there's the possibility that at some point in the future there's going to be a new metric that does a better job of figuring out wins above replacement or something different. And we go back and look, particularly with this, with this franchise, with this organization, we've seen so many different players who've had a great season and then their war is like lackluster. And you go, wait, what? Dante Mm -hmm. Bichette, obviously. Or you have guys that, you know, in other places that their war is off the charts and you go like, Oh, it doesn't seem like, you know, they did that much. They're a very good ball player, you know? And so, we can have a, we need to just have a conversation rather than just look at one statistic, which is, I think what you're saying and say, Hey, open, shut case done. This guy's better than this guy. There's no other way of thinking about it.
0: Yeah. That, that's That was exactly the premise of the reason why I put out the player comps on Twitter that I did. Right. And I was never suggesting that I have an absolute answer to this question, which I thought was really interesting. So there are basically four different, what I did was I put a bunch of player A's versus player B's, right? And the, all the player A's were these big sluggers who hit a bunch of home runs and strike out a lot. We can go through some of these numbers a little bit, especially if, if Goody can figure out his tech issue and get back in here. We'll see, but, um, and, and I got four, and then player B was these these contact, the Rymel Tapia, Juan Pierre, Ichiro types, right? And I, I just kind of presented these statistics and there were basically four different responses that I got, people who took player A, fair enough. People who took player B, totally fair. People who thought the exercise was odd to begin with because all of the players were so different, which is what we just discussed, which is part of the premise, right? OPS plus and WRC plus and WAR and all of these things that are exceptional tools are designed to do precisely this. The claim is that they account differences in position, where you hit in the lineup, how good your team is, how offensive or defensive your ballpark is, right? All of these things are supposed to be accounted for in these one size fits all statistics. And what I was trying to point out with these particular player comps is that there are missing pieces. I don't claim to have all of the answers. And I think some people took it as they so often do as an attack on the metrics themselves, rather than what you just said, which is not, this is not, we need to move backwards and no longer use OPS plus or war. This is, we need to move forward and use these stats to understand what their shortcomings are so that we can help invent and create better ones that do account for some of these things that we're missing. Um, So you know, why some people's response to the question at all, though, was to say it is absolutely the slugging players because of what OPS Plus tells me. And there is no conversation or debate about it. You know, contrary to what you just said, Patrick, which is that this needs to be an ongoing conversation is also an interesting point. Like, what is it that's gotten into our because it's not just fans that seem to believe this very clearly GMs and Goody, we're hopefully yeah, good to see you back in there. Um you know, have, have gone the way of Joey Gallo was one of the players that I threw out there in the stat set, right? So to just give you the numbers this year, Joey Gallo is hitting 221, but he's on basing 384 because he walks a ton, slugging 416. He's hit 33 home runs, but he's striking out 31.2% of the time. And OPS plus basically sees him as a 20% better hitter than Ryan Altapia, who's hitting over 300, who's only struck out 13% of the time, and actually has both more RBI and more runs scored, despite the fact that he leads off in a lineup that is not exactly scoring a ton of runs either. So, Goody, what, what do you make of this giant gap in the way some people think about sluggers who strike out a ton and and maybe the way us old school guys look and go look man that's a lot of strikeouts
1: i think the component that you have to include in there is entertainment value because at the end of the day your desire to watch something has to be attached to how entertained you are ultimately and I would prefer to watch, and I'm not saying this because he's a Rocky. I've said this on the air. I would prefer to watch Rymel Tapia's at-bats over Joey Gallo's at-bats and a host of others because I know this much. Ball's going to be put in play, and something exciting may happen. Now, it may be a, a big Baltimore chop that goes down the third base line, and next thing you know, he's, he's trying to stretch it. What, what, for most players, is a single into a double. That's exciting to me. I've seen enough guys who have prodigious power and hit a home run every 10 days, make a right turn, and head back to the dugout. Big swing and a miss. Gallo strikes out. Big swing and a miss. This guy strikes out. Big swing and a miss. Gary Sanchez goes down. Yeah. On the occasion, they run into one. It goes really far, and the metrics from a war standpoint, depending on if it's baseball reference or fan graphs, WRC plus are, are heavily skewed to on base percentage and slugging percentage. Uh, But I also think there has to be a, a value place to on, you know, just how you go about playing the game. And I think it can be winning baseball. And I think it, I think it gets overlooked at times. I think you can win Maybe not the way the '85 Cardinals won, but a component of that can still be um, productive baseball and certainly more exciting baseball
2: than 14 strikeouts a, a night and somebody hit a three-run homer. Yeah, I almost think that, and and kind of wonder if if you know the the system is is somewhat broken, or or rather that players like Joey Gallo almost have gamed the system almost unintentionally, but maybe this is kind of how it all ties in with, again, just swinging for the fences and, and hey, if I'll, I'll take my walk. If, if you give me one, uh, he's not getting that many because he strikes out so much. And he hits the home run, and that's being you know valued so much more. I mean, you go and look at, at the comparisons of, of what Ryan Altapia has been able to do during his hit streak, and you see you know players like Chick Hathy and Paul Wainer, like these guys from the early 1900s or 1930s, and you go, oh, wow, that's – that's very unique. I mean, uh, one of the last things he did, you know, Tony Oliva was a comparison. So guys from the, the mid-60s, uh, players just haven't done those things. It's it's more the power that, that we can look at and say, hey, that's got so much value. But, you know, hitting singles and uh, and, and having doubles be your power, it's, it's, it's a rarity. And it, it, I guess, historically has been almost commonplace. And now it, it isn't commonplace. It's more common to strike wow. out and hit the home run versus right. – just put the ball in play and create some action.
1: Well, uh, you know, the, the old move them. A guy moves a guy. Or yesterday in the game, I can't remember the duo. Uh, it may have been Story with Blackman at the plate. Story on a 3-2 pitch takes off. Charlie bounces to short. There was only one play. That's right. the first. Now you have a runner at second base. There, there wasn't the follow-up base hit, as I recall, that drove in a run. Uh, but if you just looked at it from a raw data standpoint, the fact that Charlie didn't strike out and got the ball in play potentially benefited his club. Yet what category would that fall into? Because he, he didn't reach, so he's not on base. Um, but it wasn't a strikeout. And from an entertainment standpoint, yeah, it's not the most exciting play in the world. It was a you know a two-hopper to short. But at least the ball's in play, and and I saw you know Manny, who we all have great respect for, you know, just uh, reached out on the program on the on the podcast and, and said, you know, there all outs aren't created equal. A punch out, nothing positive can happen unless there's a pass ball, wild pitch, and somehow you reach on that uh, because first base was unoccupied or it was the potential third out uh, of the inning. Um, so. I don't buy into the weight given uh, to simply on-base percentage and 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 slugging percentage. I, I think you have that. That's why, to me, the best front offices and evaluators of ball clubs and other ball clubs um, have the scouting component um, mixed in with uh, the new information. Uh, that we all um, or, or most organizations are going to have at their disposal. So I, I think it has to be a mix of both. And I go back to something I know I've said to you guys, and I've, I've said it on my podcast, and I've probably said it on, on television, and that is um, let's say the three of us had the o- almost identical metrics offensively. On base percentage, WRC plus, WOBA, all, whatever, whatever stat fits your fancy. Um, I guarantee you, because we are all human beings, that the manager, if the game was on the line and he could handpick one of the three of us to take a big at bat with the game on the line in the bottom of the ninth, he would have a preference. He would have a ranking, and it may change week to week. But what you don't know is man, this matchup, how this guy, you know, uh, his, his breaking ball, you know, Patrick always sees really well. Or, you know, Patrick, uh, I just feel like even though you don't see it over, you know, in terms of results, he's swinging the bat really well. Creaseman's girlfriend hates him this week. He's been in a funk. Yet there's all kinds right. of factors that you have to weigh beyond – what it says in wrc plus what it says in wova
2: what it says in in war yeah so so very true and and no. you know it, it also makes me even think too this this idea cuz you said uh, something along the lines of the, you know the the extreme that that things have gone here and i i think that you know going back to to moneyball ultimately that was uh, a book that was based around this idea that there's value to be had out there that people aren't valuing, and that was getting, that was on base percentage. And then for a while it became it defense wasn't
0: about on base percentage. It was about no, it was market wasn't. inefficiency.
2: It, market inefficiency. And then it later, yeah, and then that became defense. And then it became and and now so that that market inefficiency almost could be you know putting the ball in play. And so we haven't seen teams really adopt that yet. Um, so, so maybe that isn't the case. Maybe, maybe that nece- isn't necessarily the market inefficiency. But you can have the conversation and say, hey, that very well may be you know, super important, especially when you, when you look at this Rockies team, especially when they're on the road and they're struggling to have some offense. Toppy is a guy who's putting the ball in play, and that, that has some value that it's not going to come out in war, and it's nothing that really can, can come out on the page in the statistics to show uh, the value that he's actually having.
1: Yeah, and, and aesthetically, the game looks better. Um, yeah. I, I get excited when those two guys come up. The you know, Buddy's been naturally having Tapia um, in concert with Daza behind him very frequently, yeah. and I say, all right, the ball's going to be a play. These are bats I want to watch. I mean, New York, Patrick, and you're growing up in Jersey, and Dave King. I'm a little older than you. Dave Kingman, um, you know, was kind of the antithesis of that. It was a strikeout or a home run. He would have fit in great. Uh, You know, right now, and I I, I didn't want to miss those at bats because he may hit one uh, six miles. But I want to watch Mookie Wilson hit because Mookie Wilson put the ball in play and there was a triple in there. There, There's a hustle double in there. And baseball can't lose sight of that. Uh, This is we're in the entertainment business. And if it's no longer entertaining, you're going to lose people watching you're going to lose people participating and that ain't
0: good yeah one of so i have a, a like two huge points i wanted to make right now and i'm just gonna to to pick one. hey, hey drew yeah. drew why
1: yeah. don't why don't you make those points and patrick and i will determine if they were huge or not
2: fair enough fair <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs> so one of them being about what we're talking about here the, the situationalness of it i think that plays into the entertainment value as well. And I've talked about this with a stat that I think has just gotten a bad rap these days, and that's RBI. And, and you guys have made a big point on the broadcast of how Ryan Maltopi is doing in RBI in terms of leadoff men, but also just in terms, like I said earlier, he's got 36 on the year to Joey Gallo's 33. Now that's not a lot more, but remember Gallo's a middle-of-the-order power bat who's hit all these yonkers. And Ryan Tapia is a leadoff slap singles hitter. One of the reasons why is Joey Gallo with runners in scoring position actually has more plate appearances, 71 plate appearances. But he's batting a buck 70, 280, 340, 23 strikeouts, only nine hits. He has drawn 17 walks with runners in scoring position, but how's that helping your team? Rymal Tapia, meanwhile, with runners and scoring positions, hitting 350, 397. Can't believe he drew a walk or two in there. Uh, slugging 517. Slugging much better. He's got 21 hits with runners in scoring position even though he has three fewer plate appearances with runners in scoring position, that's where his RBI are coming from, putting the ball in play. I love it.
1: I mean, you know what? That was a huge point. Pat yourself on the back. That was great. No, All right. I, was, you know, I listen, concur. Yeah. It was that, – that is what we're talking about. So just because really smart guys um, have come up with mathematical equations that, quite frankly, a lot of us may not understand – um, and say we put a plus next to it, so it's ballpark adjusted. And this, and, and now we'd say it's WAR wins above replacement. Um, this guy is actually worth more than that guy, even though he strikes out a ton. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Yeah. Um, and and your illustration with numbers says, guess what? Rymel Tapia is a much better choice. To have up with runners at second and third than Joey Gallo, is there a greater likelihood Joey Gallo could hit a three-run home run? It's still, a, it's still going to be highly uh, unusual that that would occur. But there's a much greater likelihood Raimel Tapia puts the ball in play and you score a run as opposed to with you know we're not picking on Joey Gallo, but Joey Gallo
2: who represents a lot of a lot of middle of the order guys yeah it's funny they're the, they're the same age too and and i also can be curious with runners in scoring position if tapia comes up more with two outs because as you said Gala bats in the middle of the order I tapia bats leadoff, which also means he's almost batting 10th he's batting after the pitcher or the first guy that comes I, I, off the bench i
0: lost you uh, patrick but oh, we were doing a two outs and runners in scoring position uh And I do have, I I didn't get the plate appearances, but yeah, Gallo's got 29 plate appearances with two outs and runners in scoring position. He's batting 095, but he's on basing 345 because of course you walk him if there's two outs and you don't have to pitch to him. And like you said, you're the threat of the home run or whatever, but uh, batting 095. uh, So really with two outs and runners in scoring position, Joey Gallo on the year, three ribbies, eight walks, two hits. One of them happened to be a home run. Um, I don't have Tapia's plate appearances, but Tapia with two outs and runners in scoring position has 17 hits. He's batting 436 on basing 500, slugging 564. He's got 19 ribbies on the season with two outs and runners in scoring position because he puts how the do you re- How do you refute that? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, who in their right
1: mind would say you don't want that up? And you say, oh, he's, you know, he's got, here's another one he's got a negative did you see the stat we put up the other day guys this list yes he has a negative launch angle launch everything's angle. about launch angle oh, okay yeah so the top the the lowest five launch angles among regulars in baseball um, I'm doing this off the top of my head uh, so forgive me and Eric Cosmer oh man there's there's another guy on there yeah. um, they're not uh... anyhow yeah. You know, Rymel Tapia is on there. So so the five guys, I'm telling you, first of all, fellas, would you like Tim Anderson on your team? I'll take Tim Anderson on my team. I know Hosmer hasn't had a great year, and, and maybe he's taking a step back defensively. We're talking about offensive numbers right now. But I, I, I kind of – you know, Hosmer's a pro. Hosmer's been a good player for a long time. Um, My point is the five guys on that list – you all won on your team.
2: Tim Anderson, yeah. Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, Hosmer, yeah, DJ F- Lemayhu. Were those the guys? Yeah, thank you. DJ. I, forgot,
1: I forget DJ. DJ's on there. And I know DJ's not having the year. He's come on a little bit. He's not he having up? the year yeah. he had the last couple of years. Um, but DJ Lemayhu, we know we want him. You know, Everybody wishes he was still a Rocky. And, yeah. Kiner Falefa, I know the Rockies saw him the last couple of years playing Texas. Texas is not a team that has broad appeal right now. Kiner Falefa, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, good baseball player. Good baseball player. You want him on your squad.
2: He's he's doing something that even Craig Biggio couldn't do, right? Biggio went, catcher, came up. uh, Seton Hall, New Jersey. uh, Went to second base, then played center field. Kiner Falefa catcher went to third base is now a shortstop what that's insane
1: yeah love it good player and uh so it depends on the guy yeah yeah i've railed against launch angle when you look at swings i like to you know look at the mechanics of a swing from because uh I, i love the game i you know as you guys know i coach and and you look at a lot of the great swings, the guys who hit home runs, they're staying through the baseball, transferring weight. It's not this drop the back shoulder, getting a bad spine angle position, and they're working uphill. That is, that is such a misnomer. Uh um, they're, yeah. they're able to catch the ball out front, and and, and the ball naturally, is, and they're going to backspin. Uh, they have back speed and so forth, and that's why you see, you know, you see certain guys who we classify with prodigious power it's not a drop of the back shoulder which unfortunately you know at the amateur level you're seeing young kids think oh yeah that's how i have to that's how i have to swing yeah
0: i want to give you one last big data set that it was a player comp i threw out in an incomplete way but i i feel like it makes the the point almost completely with these two guys and i picked them because they're two of my favorite players from my era Growing up watching baseball, and I'll just—I'm going to tell you who they are right away, so people don't have to guess at the statistics. Everybody Rodgers, knows Rogers Hornsby. Rogers,
2: so who's the other one? <laughs> uh, Boyd Winner.
0: Everyone knew JP was coming. You knew this was going to be a part of the conversation. So we've arrived at the Juan Pierre hour of the DNVR Rockies podcast, and comparing him to again somebody who I absolutely loved in many ways, Carlos Pena. They played almost the exact. Same era. Carlos Pena played from 2001 to 2014. Juan Pierre played from 2000 to 2013. So Pierre was one year ahead. That's it. But in that time, Carlos Pena played in 1,493 games. Juan Pierre played in 1,994. It's about 400 more. Uh, And had 8,280 plate appearances to Carlos Pena's 5,893. Carlos Pena hit 232 on base 346 and slugged 461, which is a 162 game average of 31 home runs a year, though that was pretty rare. You know, driving in about 80 a year, he struck out 26.8% of the time and had a career OPS plus of 117, or roughly 17% better than league average. Juan Pierre hit 295 on base 343, but only slugged 361, only hit about one home run a year. Wasn't driving in anybody, but stole 50 bases a year. Struck out for his career 5.8% of the time. So over his career, in over th- 3,000 more at-bats, Juan Pierre struck out 479 times. And Carlos Pena struck out 1,577 times. Over 1,100 more times in his career where he played fewer games and had fewer at-bats And yet, Juan Pierre's OPS Plus is 84. This statistic is telling you that Carlos Pena was 37% more valuable at the plate than Juan Pierre. He may have been better. You can maybe ultimately convince me that the 280 career home runs versus Juan Pierre's like 18, maybe he was better. He was not 37% Thirty-seven percent more valuable at the plate, striking out over a thousand times more in his career.
1: Well, it, it Pat, or, j, j, tell me, I missed a lot. What was what was Juan Pierre's? Um, what was his number? Total
0: strikeouts: five point eight percent for no, his no, career.
1: No, no, no. I no, know. But what oh, was the uh, eighty-four? He was one seventeen. 80 yeah, he 80. was in an eighty-four OPS plus. I'm sorry, man, I ain't buying it. Um, I used to get on this uh, soapbox when we'd see Juan Pierre about how underrated he was, his ability to steal bags. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, sometimes I'm going to take an, another tact here. We go to the scouting side and, and and leave the metric side for a moment. People would say scouts, not all of them. They'd say, well, Juan Pierre, he can't throw which he couldn't, right? Right. However, how many times does Willie Mays get off the bus? That would be my always, my, my counter-argument frequently. We're, we're expecting Willie Mays to get off the bus. There aren't many true five-tool guys, and even if guys that when you scout, you say all five tools are above average, you know, they're above a 50 grade, how often does that player actually play with all five tools? In the right. case of Juan Pierre, he had a, you know, a 30-arm, okay, on a 20-to-80 scouting scale, maybe worse than that, couldn't throw. But he had plus speed, he had plus hit ability. He was a winning player. And to tell me that he was below league average, that you're better off um, with with a 4A player than Juan Pierre in his career, to me that's where that stat doesn't make sense. I'm sorry.
2: Especially when you have a guy who... You know, played parts of 14 seasons. You know, was a winning ball player. You know, he he made a lot of money during his career. So, there are teams out there that obviously valued it, even though the metrics that we have publicly, again, there are statistics that exist elsewhere behind okay. that are behind the, the paywall, if you will, uh, for these major league teams and their large analytics department. But very clearly, they they know some things that we don't, and and it, the proof is in the pudding with Pierre's 14 seasons as a big leaguer. Yeah, one of the all,
1: one of my all time favorite guys. Also, one of my all time favorite guy. I'm gonna get him on the podcast coming up. I, I Ooh, uh, love I, it. I, I love I love JP. He's got a great story, and uh, he's yeah, a quick little uh, story that I'll I'll tell eventually about Juan Pierre when when we have him on. What he may be Todd Helton's favorite uh, teammate of all time. Right. Todd had a lot of teammates. Loved Juan Pierre. A lot of teammates.
2: love his work yeah.
0: ethic. So
2: yeah, we got to wrap up. Uh, but I, I will have to ask you next time. What are some of your favorite interviews? Because I loved Mark Stouts' response on that on uh, the the podcast that dropped today, the Drew Goodman podcast, and uh, and your 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 mutual love, rock and roll boys, who now have a mutual love for country music. That was interesting here in that part of the conversation as well today. I didn't. I, I didn't catch that, Drew. What it, my mutual what? Oh, mu- mutual. You rock and roll boys who have a mutual love and a mutual affection for country music. Uh, that took me by surprise I, I, a little bit.
1: Yeah, and you want to know what? Going way back, as you heard on the podcast, I would be the last guy you go country music. <laughs> um, but you know, we, we had a good I'll, I'll leave it. I'll, I'll tease it uh, as you just yeah. did. We have we had an interesting conversation. Mark knows uh, a ton about music, but, uh, we had, we had fun in that, uh, realm also. Listen, I, I'm going to jump. You guys are the best. Um, I will, uh, I will talk to you guys, uh, at some point here in this view, man, but thanks.
0: We appreciate you, Goody, as always, always appreciate you taking the time, uh, and it's do right, check boys. out the newest, yeah, yeah, the newest episode of the Drew Goodman podcast featuring Mark out. Also one of my favorite guys to talk to. Stouter and I have the same birthday. Uh, is one of those random things that you learn about people over the years. Uh, we do want to wrap up. Can I throw a couple extra statistics at you, just because I
2: found I have them, and because, and because I'm the only person you could throw them to? Yeah, I guess, I guess. I guess that
0: you, will you, will you just sit there and listen to me rant at you for a little bit longer. Would you mind? I appreciate you, buddy. You're the best. You're comparing.
2: You're comparing some folks together. Uh,
0: I just found a few others that were fascinating because I went to see who was leading the league in strikeouts this year. I was just like, like who are the guys who were just striking out the most? And they're all these types of hitters. So Gallo is obviously leading in the American league. Brandon Lowe is right behind him. They've been going back. and It's Brandon Lau actually. It's Lau.
2: Not to be confused with former Rays infielder, Brendan Lowe. Lowe. So they had Nate Lau and Brendan Lowe. I knew I was going to do that too. I was like, it's not. and It's 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 the identical spelling as well.
0: I know. Uh, But, yeah, hitting 202, on base in 303, slugging 409. So all of those are significantly lower than tap, right? But he's got the 14 home runs. Uh, so his 104 OPS plus, just striking out 31% of the time. For a minute there, Javier Baez was striking out 30. Actually, right now, Javier Baez is striking out 38% of the time and still has a 99 OPS plus because he's hit 16 home runs. It's a. And he's walking 3% of the time, three hobby bias has been something at the plate this year, dude. It's so strange. Like he's got, he's decent with runners and scoring position. That's really what's helped us And and again, he's had more opportunities. He bats in the middle of a a better lineup than the Rangers or Rockies who we've been talking about. Uh, So he does have the 45 ribbies on the season, but yeah he's almost 40% of the time he's striking out, but still he's seen as a league average hitter.
2: And and one of the best players that we talked about him today. I mean he comes up almost every day on the podcast uh, is, is Shohei Otani who's he's just under 30% himself. And again, what he's been able to do on on the mound is is confounding. But yeah. he, he strikes at a decent amount too, but yeah that's just become this accepted part of the game. And it's, right. it's wild. Tatis Jr. is another guy, 28.7%. Yeah. And you go, who cares? He's, he's an exciting ball player. Yon Moncada uh, has been, you know, incredibly valuable. Jared Walsh first baseman for the angels. Um, there are these guys that you know, teams are are, are coveting and, and they do have value. Obviously we know that right. it's just that guys who don't strike out and put the ball into play, they have a a different type of value and, you know, they, they might not be centerpieces. And I think maybe that's where, you know, the conversation can get skewed is that, you know, you, you're more likely to be able to create or uh, at least have a player who has a high contact rate exist in the world and less likely to have a guy who can hit massive home runs like a Joey Gallo. And so you go, okay, that's why he's more valuable. But you know i i that's in a vacuum maybe you know i i just think that again players of, with different skill sets you know can be more valuable with, with one team versus another and in right. one era versus another we're seeing that as well so it's 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 a conversation that should be had because i don't think we know definitively this guy is clearly better than that guy unless we're talking about Shohei Otani, and There's those handful recently designated for assignment, Ryan Castellani. You yeah. go, all right, I feel pretty confident. <laughs> I can say that. I feel uh, confident in that one. but That was our Rockies news of the day. Castellani it, designated for was, assignment. Um, uh, and in his stead, uh, the Rockies actually did claim off of waiter, uh, waivers. Bernardo Flores Jr., a... Uh, starting pitcher who I think might be getting converted into a reliever. Uh, didn't spend very much time in the Cardinals organization. He was picked up off of waivers, I think just in April, but was a seventh rounder a few years back with the White Sox. So not, not doing so great in, in, uh, at triple a, but yeah. again, give him an opportunity and, and we'll see if Castellani can, can be get snuck through waivers? You never know.
0: Um, but yeah, to, to wrap up the point from before, because I I did just have, a, as you were kind of mentioning the final point, I, I wanted to crystallize the, the next steps of that conversation. And here are my big questions remaining. What is the consistency of playing time? We don't have a lot of metrics, and this is something Patrick and I have talked a lot about. These guys we went through today, I also have stats for Kenny Lofton, Tony Gwynn, a few others, Ichiro, Ryan Tapia, Juan Pierre. What do those guys also do? They play a lot. What do players like Joey Gallo, Carlos Peña, Gary Sanchez, some of these other guys tend not to do? Play very many. So your 162 game average is theoretical. Uh, Gary Sanchez has a 162 game average of 46 home runs. He's never hit over 40 home runs in an actual season, though. He, he's, he's never hit, oh, and he's uh, a catcher,
2: so I mean, he's he's that's different. just not going to happen for sure. Peña had stuff like but that, right.
0: too, though, where right, it was like his average uh, home runs per 162 or 31, but he only hit over 30 home runs, like four times in his career. It's just that those times he hit 50 home runs, a couple of, you know, he had had these big years. And so uh, I want to know, yeah, how do we value uh, 162 game averages for players who actually play 162 games? The second big question that we've talked about all the time, the consistency from game to game slumping, versus just providing regular value, even if it's not the most value, providing it all the time. The big ones, what is the true value of a strikeout? That's what a guy, Manny Rondawa dropped in here. And he really knows these statistics and works with people who help create them. And he and I have talked about this a lot. This is a big missing piece in WAR and OPS Plus and WRC Plus. The negative value of a strikeout is something we've got to figure out. And then on the flip side of that, What is the positive value of a ball in play? I understand why we don't give individual players credit for like creating errors or a lot of things that are outside their control, right? Things like BABIP and and all of these statistics are trying to isolate what is inside of a player's control. But as we were just talking about, if you strike out, there's a 0% chance that an error happens. And if you put the ball in play, there's a 5% chance, whatever it is. and, And we need to figure that out or that you move the runner over or that you move the runner in all of these things that we can talk about the value of a ball in play. Um, Mark, that's the one area. That's right. There's one time where it's actually better to strike out than to to put the ball in play because sometimes a strikeout is better than a double play. So you've got to factor that kind of stuff in there too. Um, You also can't get rid of every single error in your, equation because dropped third strikes by the catcher it gets confusing but still (laughs) like basically the idea is yeah how do we value the negative how do we measure the negative value of a strikeout the positive value of the ball in play and the biggest thing that Patrick I think you highlighted best throughout this conversation the situational that's really like when you and I grew up in an era where baseball was just it just was situational it was understood that everything that happened in the game could be described through its situation. It's the seventh inning of a tie ball game. There's runners at second and third. There's one out. Would you rather have Joey Gallo, who's the better hitter at the plate, than Raimel Tapia? If you answer yes to that because of OPS+, I think you're missing an enormous piece of the baseball puzzle of where value truly comes from. And that's all we're trying to do here is find that next bit. Fill in those blanks so that we have a much better understanding so that we don't truly believe that Carlos Pena was 37% better at the plate than a guy who struck out 1100 fewer times over the exact same decade of baseball
2: against the same pitchers, the same league, all of it. They were, they played at the same time. <laughs> it's like, come on Pierre, Pierre actually had nearly twice as many hits. It was very close. Yeah. Twice as many hits. So, um, but of, of course, Carlos Pena had about, uh, two hundred twenty 200. times as many uh, home runs, something like that. Yeah. Fifteen as many. So, yeah. It's, again, it, it, it's it's a conversation. It yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, of course it is. I love Carlos Pena. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 an exciting time in in baseball. It it can be too exciting for some people and maybe overwhelming to try to balance these things because um I, I I'm for one I can throw throw my hat in the ring and say I, I don't know I I don't necessarily have Same. all the answers I want to try to find I want to you know, get as many different viewpoints as possible. Um, but I, I don't know that, that we have definitive answers on some things, but we, we can say I would rather have Shohei Otani than Ryan Castellani. And yes, it's that we not because good. they rhyme, but
0: yeah. Uh, one other thing I did find through this process, and I think we've kind of talked about before, Kenny Lofton needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Correct. That's egregious. But again, career OPS plus, One hundred and seven. He was basically when people say Rymal Tapi can't keep doing this. If he does, if Rymal Tapi just keeps doing what he's been as a starter, he's Kenny Lofton minus the phenomenal defense. But again, we're just talking at the plate. Um, He's not stealing as many bases either. But that's and and and
2: postseason play, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Like none of those things inside of his control, but right from a basic stat line, that's what he's going for. And I think that was the one last thing that I wanted to talk about because I see people saying, well, Toppy has got to hit the ball in the air more. He's got to do these other things. He's got to play more like these other guys, like like Gallo and, and Sanchez and Pena and whatnot. And I see these other players and I go, why can't he play like Lofton, like Ichiro, like Juan Pierre? The The Hall of Fame version of it was Tony Gwynn. And those are fewer and farther between. But like you said, if Toppy is not going to hit 15 to 20 home runs a year, and he's not, then why try to be that guy instead of trying to be this guy? That's an interesting question. How do you make the ball player better? By having him succeed in, in his avenue, bringing what he brings. And then as you said, because you the answer to this question is, you need all these guys on your team. What you need is yeah. Ryan Toppy batting right in front of Joey Gallo.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you can't, you know, force a player to, to change his style. It, it just, it, it is what it is. Um, you, you can, the player can possibly go to, to another team where that style maybe fits in fits better, better, right. You know, of course, but you know, a, a style is, is, is a style and you know, success is success, but of course there are tiers in that. And, and again, that's, that's also part of the, yeah. of the yeah. conversation. So it's fun. Yeah. So yeah. I'm talking baseball.
0: dude. always love yeah. it. I'm not getting into some really good stuff. So it's fun talking
2: it. uniforms too. I know.
0: I was going to say, Ooh, good maybe luck. not. Maybe hey, uh, it's not a fun
2: conversation. Um,
0: yeah. Oh man.
2: Black. Like,
0: how do you, <laughs> we'll talk about that more later, I think. Uh, absolutely. Great stuff. Great stuff today. Really appreciated Goody's time and insight on that conversation. And all of you, make sure that you're joining us on the YouTube as well for the live chats. You don't want to miss them. Hit that bell icon. Subscribe. and All that good stuff lets you know when we're going live. Do subscribe to the DNVR.com where you get access to all that written content, plus discounts on hats and shirts, a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar, and access to the Discord channel where you can chat baseball with us 24-7. Boy, did we have some reactions to the jersey reveal today. Those are the kinds of moments where you're happy to have a Discord channel family to immediately go to, and we can all make sure that none of us are crazy and that we're all seeing the exact same thing. (laughs) Uh, So make sure that you're in there. All kinds of stuff to talk about in the Discord channel. As well, do make sure you're following us on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creesman, of course at DNVR underscore Rockies, and give at Michaela E. Perkins a follow. You may see her in the words of Harry Ralston Black sooner than you think. So, thank you all for listening into this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. We appreciate you all very, very much. Keep being absolutely awesome, baseball fans out there. We'll keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creesman in here. And until next time. We will see you at the ballpark.